Hey, Michigan, let's talk golf. Here's Mike Sullivan, the most inconsistent golfer ever. In your life have you seen anything like that? And Kyle Bogey, wait, how can a guy with that name host a golf show? We'll never know. Better than most. It's the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Powered by our presenting partner, Hall Financial. All right, welcome in. Another edition of the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast, of course, presented by our friends over at Hall Financial. D. Hall and his team just rock stars, especially right now. We'll get to them uh, in just a little bit. But uh, Bogey and Sully, of course, here with you. And um, Mike, I got I to gotta lead off the conversation here this week um, because I, I'm going to be entering the phase of my golf game that you are currently experiencing right now. Uh, I, I just actually went and picked up my brand new tailor-made P770 irons from uh, miles of golf the other day. So I believe like my first round is going to be Friday in Atlanta. I'm going to Atlanta to play some golf this weekend. Um, so I will can have you ever just go on vacation and not golf. All right. Absolutely you not. You don't that, have that to vacation. golf every single vacation. Look, for me, vacation is sun up to sundown, spending your time on the golf course and just enjoying yourself. Um, and I'll be doing that 36 a day, just grinding away. But um, since I have my new irons, I'm going to be able to say, hey, uh, I have a month's excuse. So what? I'll be able to say, I, I, oh, they're new clubs. I'm getting used to them until what? It may... 17th or whatever it might be is that is that acceptable for me you have one month that's it yeah you, you, you have one month as soon as you get new clubs you literally the clock's ticking you have one month to practice to hone in to get on the range to go to the simulator to whatever it is and after that you cannot use that excuse anymore of oh i have new clubs so oh, you know wow. that, which sucks for me because i have until may 1st so you and I are playing American Dunes next weekend, which I can't wait for. And oh, that yeah. is literally on May 1st. So that means <laughs> I, when we play American Dunes, which will be a tough course, I cannot say one word about my clubs. Well, it's – no, no, I won't allow it. Don't worry about that. That, that won't be possible. I, I, would, uh, I would ask you this because you had the same predicament that I did. You literally ended up getting your new clubs, I think, what, the day before we ended up going to Florida – and playing the Floridian with David Hall, actually, yeah. and, and Donnie Trosper. I got my clubs literally a day before I'm about to go to Atlanta. You ended up taking your clubs. You were so eager to play with them. You're just, you know, I don't need a range session or whatever. I don't care. I got to take them. I'm actually – I feel like it's a mistake, but I'm going to take mine down as well and just – Oh, you should. Figure it out. Well, but I, dude, it, I, I'm worried because I'm playing with my buddies, and obviously you end up, you know, doing a lot of shit talking and all that. I want to make sure that we win, but I'm nervous because I got to get used to these new clubs. So my first round with my new clubs was at the Floridian, like you said, and my first hole, here's what, here's what it went. My first (laughs) hole, I shanked my drive into the trees. My (laughs) breakfast ball, I hit so far off the fairway to the right, it hit a tree and bounced into the middle of the fairway. (laughs) <laughs> so that was my first because of the breakfast ball. My second shot, I hit my forehand really, really well, hit it around. I don't even remember what it was, but I was right off the green. And my third shot, which is not a new club, which is my putter, I literally putted off the green, hit the pin, and then tapped in for par. So that I parred <laughs> my first round with my new clubs. But um, no, Kyle, my advice would be it, it definitely takes uh, some time to get used to the new clubs. 
But at the same time, you know, it's, it's about going to the range. It's about trying just to lock in, find the slot, find the, 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 the really the, the grip, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, it's not like you're learning how to swing, you know, how yeah. to swing a club, right? So the only difference now is just getting used to the new clubs where someone like me, I've always hit the ball really, really high. So these clubs are de-lofted where I got to now get used to how, how different am I attacking the ball? How am I compressing it, pinching it against the ground? What is the flight of the ball? What are the distances? I can't tell you how many times this year already, and I haven't played a ton yet. Probably played four times or so, but um, – I've actually been screwed a couple times this year where I kid you not, I have absolutely striped an iron uh, as well as I possibly could. And it flies the green because with new clubs, you're generally going to hit it a little further. Yeah, no, it's funny. You're, you're going through the opposite of what I need to go through. And, you know, it's interesting because it's different for everyone. You know, for me, I always had a lower ball flight and now I have actually lofted clubs. My clubs are actually a degree, a degree weaker um, because I need to hit the ball higher. I need to be able to hold greens. Um, so I'm going to have to go through that process this weekend, unfortunately, uh, in Atlanta. But it, it's so fun. I mean, look, we, we can get into the technical aspects of, uh, you know, clubs and all this data and everything like that. And, but at, at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, it, you have a swing. You know your grip. You know what you're doing. You know where you're putting the ball in your, your stance. It, it all just comes down to, you know, whether or not you got it on any given day. We're not pros. We're, we're, not, we're not these great players. One day you're going to have, the, you know, your great stuff. The, the other day you're not going to know what's going on and you're tweaking things on the course. It's, man, I love the game of golf. It's great, isn't it? It is. It's, you love it and you hate it, right? Um... <laughs> just like women you can't live with them you can't live without them right it's the same exact thing so um i can't as wait just to uh as long as the women let you play golf we can live with them that, yeah, that's what, exactly yeah. um but no it's you know it's been weird kyle because we've had such bad weather lately where we haven't even really been able to go to the range and it yeah. hasn't really even been on my mind much because the weather's been so bad but I think that's a lot of people. As soon as the weather turns nice, and we've had some beautiful days, when the weather's 71, 75, you know, you, all you can think about is how can I get to the course as quickly as I possibly can right now and either hit balls or go out and play a few holes or whatever. So, um, no, it's, I, I've been glad to see how many people have gotten new clubs and whatnot, but I think that, that I'm not a, a driving range type guy. But I've been going to the range so much just for range sessions to really hone in and, you know, just to let people in on my, my rigorous practice routine. What I do <laughs> is I will – I've been getting in a routine just because I want to hit every single club and I want to get used to every single club. And I feel like in the past, Kyle, you know, I, I never want to pull a club out of my bag and think to myself, wow, I haven't hit this in a while. I hate that feeling. I do. Yep. So I want to make sure I, I hit every single club and know what I'm doing. So – I've been going to the range. What I do is I get out there, I scoop five balls with a seven iron and just hit very, very half easy swings. So scoop it with the seven, put the seven back. And then I literally go four through 60 and hit five balls each. My only thing is I can't end on a bad ball. So I will, I will scoop out five balls, four iron, five balls, five iron, five balls, six iron, and I'll go all the way up to my 60 degree. And then after that, I go three wood with five, driver with five, and then after that, it's just whatever I want to work on in terms of what I wasn't hitting well. So all yep. in all, um, you know, I think that's a great range. And I posted this the other day on MDG, uh, uh, you know, what people are doing at the range. Um, I think it's a great range session routine 
basically with what I'm doing with, with five uh, golf balls, that, that equals about 70 total balls I'm going to hit. And then after that, I'm just practicing maybe another 30 or so on, on what I want to. So I'm probably hitting a hundred balls. Yeah. You know, for, for me, I mean, if we're talking about an actual range session, my, my warm-up routine and everyone has a warm-up routine. I, I don't want to, you know, hear that people don't. People, I guarantee there are people who are superstitious and they got to do the same thing every single time. For me, it's literally nine iron, seven iron, five or four iron, driving iron. I go to wedges and then I hit hit a driver or two. What about? It, that's about it. What but about pre-round? That that's that's my pre-round. It's a nine oh, okay. iron, seven yeah. iron, four or five iron, depending on what wedge and then driver and, so you hit and five that, clubs yeah you know I don't need to hit much more than that just yeah. change it up a little bit make sure they're not too similar of a club you know I don't need to hit a pitching wedge and a nine iron you know nine get a little longer get a little longer wedge driver and then away we go but like if I'm doing a long you know range session or something like that I'm going to do the same warm-up routine but then I'm going to also go back through and hit the other wedge and then I'm going to go through and hit the pitching wedge. And then I'm going to go through and hit the eight iron, six iron, you know, whatever I didn't hit the first time around. So I basically just extend, you know, that warm up. And then what I honestly love to do for the extended range sessions after I kind of figure things out and hit, you know, each club individually and all that, I like to quote unquote play holes where, yeah. you know, I, I pull out the driver and, yep. you know, in my mind, I'm going, okay, this is a little dog leg to the right. So I need, I need to hit a power fade, you know, out there or whatever. Yeah. And if I feel like I hit a good one, I'll say, okay, the hole was 400. You know, I got 150 in, you know, whatever it might be. And I'll pull out a nine iron and I'll try to hit a nine iron and just, just try to hit well, it straight. It, you know, it, like I like to ro rotate and do that because if you just hit like 50 straight drivers, I don't think that that does much for you because in golf, you're hitting a driver and then you might not hit a driver for three holes. You know, you're hitting a nine iron. You might not touch your nine iron for four holes or whatever. So mixing it up and going back and forth is fun for me. A lot of people do suggest that in terms of, yeah, actually having a purpose on the driving range instead of just going out and pounding, you know, drivers the entire time, like Bryson DeChambeau. But if you're going to do a, that. A big, I, a big bomber like him, yeah. If you're going to do that, I suggest that you go to uh, Tricovery like you did earlier, Kyle. It's great to go get stretched out, get worked on. And if you're going to go have a great range session or certainly play a lot of golf, Tricovery will take care of you with their stretching and their massages and their golf-specific packages. Kevin and Jeff are tremendous with their entire team. So, would encourage you to go to tricovery.com. That's T-R-I-covery.com. Now, Kyle, I will say real quick that um, with the rain session, um, I do that. I don't think about it from the standpoint of, okay, I'm playing a 415-yard hole, but I do think of it from the standpoint of not only attacking pins, right, but I think of it like, hey, what if I'm in trouble here? How, can, let, me, let me hit like a low punch or let's say it is a, a, rare far, a rare par five where I lay up on, right? I'm thinking to myself, let me take a, a, a club right now and let me just put it out there in terms of a layup. Could that mm -hmm. mindset, by the way, if you're just thinking about laying up and you're not really worried about honing in on a distance, you generally swing it very well. So if, if you're thinking like, hey, um, like, like at the range, hey, I'm going to just put it out there to the right. Let me pretend the hole's up there. And I, I just want to put it out there in the fairway up there to the right. You know, that's a great routine just to get into a flow of a swing too. So I'll do that a lot. And then, of course, I'll always try to. And it was funny. I was on the range with my buddy the other day, and I usually can never do this. 
uh, perfectly, but I was, <laughs> I was just getting cocky and I was like, all right, watch this. We're going to go left to right right here. And then I, boom, hit one left to right. And I go, okay, time for right to left. Boom, right to left, perfect draw. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I'm done and walked away. <laughs> but uh, that's always fun to do. And I, I will say this real quick too. People need to realize that, you know, I don't care if you're a scratch golfer. I don't care if you're a 25 handicap. Every single person, and I'm not, I'm not going to get preachy here, but I believe this. Every single person, when you're hitting a ball, in the, when you're on the course and you're hitting a ball, you need to step up to that ball and you need to have a purpose of the shot. You need to think to yourself, hey, I'm going to go left or right on this and I'm just going to play. Even if you don't, you need to aim small, miss small, and think that, hey, I'm going to keep this low or I'm going to um, try to flop this or I'm going to actually try to turn this left to right right now. Do that instead of going up there and thinking, oh, I'm just going to hit it and see what happens. Or I've, or the, my least favorite, I'm slicing it today, so I'm just going to get up there and play to my slice today. No, get up there and try to, and, and try to hit the ball straight or fix it. If you're slicing the ball, don't just – I hate when someone goes up there and will line up basically facing another hole. Oh, here's my slice, and then it's just going to come back into the hole. Like, no, that's, that's – go up there with a the purpose and try to aim small, miss small. See, I, I understand what you're saying, but I also think, especially with amateur golfers, you know, like us, you do have to have a little bit of a reality check and, and be able to look in the mirror. Like some days, like I, I played a few rounds over the weekend and by the last round of the weekend, and I'm sure this will happen, you know, in Atlanta, which is actually why when I get back from Atlanta, I'm gonna have to go and see Tricovery again and just make sure I'm, I get right. But by, by that last round, I literally could not hit a draw. I, I could not get my hands around to be able to hit a draw. And I was hitting a fade, 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 no matter how much I tried, you know, to really get around on the ball and get my hands moving through. So at a certain point, if you're hitting it that way, either on the range or when you're out there actually playing, you do have to just adjust and say, hey, today, this is my ball flight. And I, if you – if you wait to just accept that, that that's what it's going to be that day, you're going to lose balls and you're going to put yourself out of position, which I did on Sunday, unfortunately, at TPC Dearborn. But um, to a certain if I had extent, been, yes. Yeah. If I had just committed to it sooner and said, you know what, I, I literally I have to hit a fade today because I can't, my hands are not fast enough, um, I, I probably would have scored yes. a little bit better, you know. Yeah. So it depends. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and you know, you never know what, what your shot's going to be that day and you, and you play to that. I get it. I'm talking about – people who just don't try to ever fix it. And, you know, yeah. you'll see, I, I mean, we, you know, we've played with guys like that before, right? Well, they're, they will literally line up facing the other hole because they know it's going to be such an egregious slice that yeah. they're going to bring it back into, I mean, that's just like, guys, come on. I mean, I mean, what are you yeah. doing? Well, and I, I mean, you know, you, you look at the pros too, and Literally, pros are trying to take all curvature outside of like Bubba Watson and whatnot. They're trying to take all curvature out of their ball. Right. I mean, they want their ball flight to literally not move more than six feet to the left or six feet to the right. They yeah. want great <laughs> flighted, you know, ball where they know exactly where it's going and they're aiming exactly where it's going to land. And that, to me, that's just remarkable because. Most of us don't really have the ability to do that from a timing standpoint, a ball striking standpoint, you know, whatever it might be. But when you watch those guys, I mean, it's, it's amazing how just that straight high and far. No, that, and I was, I got to forget who I was talking to recently about that actually was saying very, very similar about just how pros can barely turn it left or right. And that's, and that's so true because, you know, people think, 
that no, they're just putting so much action on it. No, they can control it though. And they can control it if it's 157 or 161, you know, amateur golfers or even good golfers aren't good enough to, let's say you're on red run hole number one or something like that to go up there and think, all right, I'm, I'm 179 or I'm 181. Let me, let me figure this out right now. I don't want you to talk through it like that, you know? And no, if we're it- getting- if you're someone who like you're you're coming up with a number and you go, yeah, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna play. I think the number's 86. You know, I'm gonna play at 86. Uh, you're out of your freaking mind. Like, <laughs> there's no way you have any understanding or concept of the exact swing and contact you have to make to hit it 86 yards as opposed to 80 or you know 90 or whatever. Unless unless you're a tour player or something like that. Of- yeah, it's. Champions Tour or whatever, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's ridiculous when you're when you're really thinking about that. And honestly, you know, that's what that's what's what does slow down the pace of play, yeah. which I know has been a big issue. So for whatever reason, pace of play seems to seems to be a big issue so far in 2021 from multiple courses I've talked to. That which doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know why right now all of a sudden it's it's a big deal, but apparently from the several, well, I think, from the yeah. several courses that I've talked to so far in Metro Detroit. It has not been good to start the season, which just doesn't even make sense to me. No, it hasn't. I, I do think that with, with you know, again, the seven, over 7 million people either started playing the game or got back into the game last year. So I do think courses in general and yeah. clubs are going to be just more packed. You know, the tee sheets are going to be packed, especially if you're playing on weekends. But, you know, one thing that I notice um, if you get stuck behind a slow group, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I'm the fastest golfer in the world, but I know how to pick it up if, you know, if I need to, you know, that that's just the way it is. But if you look ahead and you are waiting on people, th- there's one person say in the fairway who's getting ready. They're, yeah. they're you know, getting the distance, they're getting their club, they're, you know, one practice swing and then they hit and the guys around them might be in the same general vicinity and they're standing there, you know, grabbing their crotch, not doing anything while the other guys getting set up to hit his ball or her ball I, to me. No, like do your thing. You know, if they're getting set up and they're getting ready to hit and say they're furthest away, so they have honors and they're going to go, whatever, that's totally fine. But while they're doing that, you can be getting your distance. You can be figuring out your club. You can be standing over your ball, getting the ball ready in your stance and all that. So that as soon as they hit within 30 seconds, that ball lands and you're ready to go as well. That's one thing that I think guys just aren't ready to hit the ball. And, And that's right. Well, that also boils down to not knowing where to park the cart properly, uh, grab your clubs, I'm going to drive to your ball, then to mine, you know, that's why if you're walking or taking a caddy, it's actually really, it's, it's actually could be faster because you're walking to your ball, you're not dropping someone off, then going back, then going back. I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot of issues with pace of play that you could boil it down to. I think that, um, the T box obviously really is a big one. The the T box is a big problem with, with yeah. the pace of play because people it, it's the one point where people congregate is on the T box, right? So after that, you all kind of separate and you go to your own balls and then you congregate on the T box again. So what happens? People start talking, they take their time, they step to the ball, they turn back, they talk, whatever. The T box I think doesn't help, um, but also, you know, when, when you're, it, it all boils down to you need to keep up with the group in front of you. Don't yeah. worry about the group behind you. You need to keep up with the group in front of you. And I do think that, that you know, some people generally talk too much on the tee or, or oh, yeah. the practice swings. And you know what? Let's, let's just call it how it is. 
Do I think that the, that the microphones and the cameras and the PGA Tour right now, do I think that helps pace for play? I really don't because I think that, and not that this is everyone, but I do think there's a lot of people out there who, who uh, watch the pros on TV and who over talk about their shots, who, who take five practice swings, who pace around the green to read a putt. Um, I don't think it helps. Yeah, I agree. See, when, when you said tee box, I, I thought you were going in a different direction there because I, to me, I, I think people play the wrong tees a oh, lot. Well, that's and a big one too, yeah. I, that, you know, really slows things down. Yeah. And I, I get it, trust me. You know, I, I, I'll play the tips from time to time, but I certainly don't want to do it every single time. I mostly play the, the blues. But if you're somebody who does struggle to make contact and get off the tee – there's no, no shame in playing the white tees and, and no shame in playing different tees than some of the other people maybe that are in your foursome or in your group or whatever. So, you know, like I, I got paired, uh, paired up with a couple of guys over the weekend on Sunday at, at, at TPC of Michigan. And, you know, the one guy was sure he was a little bit older. He still hit the ball pretty well, but he was like, I'm not playing the, you know, the black tees with you guys. I, I play the white tees and guess what? I end up having a much better time playing the white tees instead of the blue tees because why? Because you end up scoring a little bit better because it's not as difficult. And that, that's the right, you know, area, I guess, to, you know, for you to play. I think a lot of people try to challenge themselves for no reason because they might be a little bit embarrassed to play the whites, which is ridiculous. I mean, who cares? Yeah. And I think too, that, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of answers that get thrown around for pace of play that are very, simple answers that I don't I wonder if they really matter that much range finders certainly is one of them which can go both ways some people think the range finders speed up the pace of play um I heard I heard one the other day from a a very experienced golfer who travels around a ton who thinks that the uh you know the line on the golf ball where where guys are spending too much time on the green which I understand guys are spending too much time on the green lining up the golf ball perfectly and and you know putting it now that's one where i i get the point i really do and i do think that that doesn't help i just think the bigger issue around the green is people that need to pace around to the other side of the pin then go back now if you want to do that that's fine but do that when other people are putting or obviously not when they're putting but you know as you're getting up to the green when it's your turn to go now is not the time to go look around on the other side of the hole then go back (laughs) No, I'm with you. And as, as, a, uh, as somebody who uses the, uh, the triple track golf balls, it's changed my life. I need those freaking lines on the ball because I can't putt for shit. But um, it takes me two seconds. You see me putt. I want, one, I'm not very good. But two, I, I literally I look at the hole. I look where my ball marker is. I line it up with the line and I get down and I putt. It doesn't take me very long at all. You and I also play faster probably than most people. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. no. We, we don't have time to waste. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. I don't get up there and take, you know, 50 practice swings. I really don't take any. I, I'll, if I'm playing bad, maybe I will, but I will, I'll basically kind of just brush the ground a little bit and then get up there and hit, you know. Um, I, I do think that, you know, I'll take more time at the halfway house probably than anything. You know, that's probably what, what gets me. But um, uh, I would agree. Talk about pace of play yeah, right there. No, Stop it I, well, shack. I, I think that halfway shacks and halfway houses absolutely factor into yeah. can factor into pace of play. I do. But well, the, 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 the exciting thing here is guess what? It's golf season. So we get to talk about and laugh about all these things. And, you know, synonymous with golf season is, the home buying market starts to heat up, you know, right now as well. And our friends over at Hall Financial do an unbelievable job of getting y'all set up. And I'll, I'll, I'll use a recent example. Uh, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, Tom, 
was he's looking into buying a house, you know, in the next couple of months. And he ended up, you know, looking to get pre-approved with a, a, a different, you know, local company. And, you know, he did, didn't really like the experience, didn't really like what they had to say. And it just wasn't, you know, for him. And, you know, he, he remembers and obviously listens to the podcast. And, you know, we always talk about Hall Financial and the great five-star service they deliver. He was like, you know what, Kyle talks about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him a call and see. And they ended up getting him the exact, you know, rate that he needed, getting approved for the right amount for the home. And they ended up setting him up, you know, with a great realtor, you know, actually in the Royal Oak area. So look, it's not BS here, you know, us talking about Hall Financial and our relationships. They do a great job. Please check out hallmdg.com. Just get, give it a whirl, whether you're refinancing, looking to buy. They're an incredible team. They're going to take great care of you. They absolutely are. Now, and Kyle, another thing with golf season coming up, of course, is, uh, you know, placing some bets. I know you're always talking about, uh, you know, making some bets and betting on, you know, a bunch of different golfers. And, and I think that uh, a lot of people in MDG really enjoy the master's pool we did and, and all of the, the various betting that we do. And, and look, I know there's also a lot of horse racing fans in our group, right? So it's almost post time in Kentucky. The horses and jockeys are making their way to one of the most iconic horse racing tracks in the world that would be uh, race day the big race day with big hats even bigger stacks of cash so join DraftKings free to play pool for your shot at a hundred thousand dollars in prizes now DraftKings free to play pools they're easy to play all right all you do you download the DraftKings app you go to pools and you choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes all you have to do enter the pool answer some questions remember this Saturday in Kentucky it's going to be great and questions are going to range from who's going to be winner, um, you know, what, what will the winning time be and whatnot. And DraftKings is obviously very safe, secure, and reliable. Um, and, and like I said, this is actually, I think I said this Saturday, of course, next Saturday. But you guys know when that big race is in Kentucky. So download the DraftKings app right now. Use promo code MDG. Enter the free horse racing pool, 100 grand in prizes up for grabs. That's promo code MDG. Get a free shot at $100,000 in prizes. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, one other thing real quick. I just want to tell a little story um, from this past weekend. And, you know, obviously this was a question asked, uh, you know, within MDG and, and it just took off because it's, it's so, I, I think it's very relatable. Um, so I was playing, you know, Sunday and I, like I said, I ended up getting paired up with a couple of guys that I, I hadn't met, but we, we just, we played with them and we were on a par three and, I ended up just blocking my seven iron, just pushed it directly to the right. And like I said, I was hitting a fade all that day because I just simply couldn't get around on the ball. But I ended up landing in this kind of just this grassy area in between the, the stuff. The, the green had water all, all around it and everything like that. So I saw my ball land. It was perfect right there. Just got to chip over the stuff and get it on the green and try and you know, get up and down for a par. And <laughs> drive over there, go and start to get set up near my ball. And one of the guys that we were playing with, goes over to my ball and, you know, is lining up to chip it as if it were, you know, his ball. And, and I said, is that, is that your ball? You know, I, I didn't see you land. I know mine was like right here. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, this is mine. Yep, yep, I saw mine land right here. And I didn't see another ball in the general vicinity. So I was like, well, that, that doesn't really make any sense. I, I think that might be mine. He ends up chipping it over onto the green. I, I end up looking in the grassy area to see if my ball is there uh, or any other ball is there. And there wasn't. So clearly it was my ball. I don't know how mm -hmm. he mistaked it or mistook it for his ball. But anyway, he goes over to the green and he finally checks the ball and he goes, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This isn't my ball. You know, it Jeez. must be. I was like, yeah, no, no big, like, dude, I don't care. You know, that, that stuff happens. It's not a big deal. But the guy 
the guy had a different ball in his pocket. So he pulled that one out and put that down in the green. And he went to throw the ball, my ball, over to me. And he had to throw it over a creek. <laughs> he threw it short of the creek and ended up hitting a rock and just going like 30 yards into the water. <laughs> so the ball was gone at that point. So, you know, he was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you know, I had another ball. Not a big deal. I chip onto the green. I, I actually ended up saving par, which is remarkable. But the guy was like, he finished out the hole and he was determined to somehow find my ball you know, where it ricocheted off or whatever. And he went down there. I was like, don't worry about it. Seriously, it's not a big deal. It's just a golf ball, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's a pro one. It's the, an expensive golf ball, right? Yeah, whatever. The, the guy ended up finding finding a different ball and threw it at me. And he goes, here, here's your ball. Here, go ahead. You know, and I knew it wasn't my ball, <laughs> you know, but he was trying to be nice and replace it. I, I just, I don't care. I mean, look, you know, if I were, if I were it, 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 it or something, it, it can't I agree. happen. I mean, if, if someone, yeah. I mean, how many times have we hit, has someone hit a ball over towards another group and you're driving up there and the other group's over there, you're th saying in your head, guys, don't touch my ball. Don't touch my ball. Yeah. And, you know, they look at it. Usually they realize it's not yours. You need to look at that ball and realize it's not yours, yes. especially yeah. if someone comes up and asks you. Yes. That's the thing. I, I don't, I, I literally don't pick up balls unless they're in the woods I, I, I don't. If there's one in the rough that I see or, you know, whatever, I'm leaving it. Because you know what? Who knows? You know, if somebody is three holes over, two holes over, whatever, and they just, you know, sliced one horribly or went way over the green or something, I don't ever want to be responsible for picking up a ball that wasn't mine that I don't need. Because let's be honest, you know, that, that is going to – karma is going to come around because you're going to want the same respect where – your ball is way off on a different hole and people are going to drive by it and maybe they'll pick it up. I, I don't want them picking up my ball. I want to be able to play it and find it. Um, it's just one of those funny things. You're, you're totally right. You look over, you hit it within 30 yards of people and you go, all right, you yeah. know, it's just, just leave it. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm coming over there. Okay. I'm right. going to let you hit, but I'm going to be in that fairway, hitting my ball over the trees back into play. It's just one of those weird things in golf. Yeah, no, that is. And I'm sorry that you had to have that happen. Did you take a penalty stroke? <laughs> yeah. Did you have to take a penalty stroke too? Hell no. Of course okay. not. No. I, I just dropped the ball down, free drop, and just chipped on. And I hit like an 18-footer to save par, which, well, was, which was funny. Sounds to me like you didn't play your ball. So that's a, that's a <laughs> two-stroke penalty, right? You're not playing your own ball. <laughs> yeah. But, no, Kyle, that's great. And we'll look forward. Best of luck in Atlanta with your new clubs. You'll have to let us know how uh, how you play. I'm sure you'll – you'll go out there and shoot mid-70s, you know? So best yeah, of luck to you. I, I hope. We'll and, see. Uh, and we will, as always, talk next week. Thanks for listening to the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and keep giving Sully and Bogey a hard time. Powered by our presenting sponsor, Hall Financial, and also Tri-Covery Massage and Flexibility.